0: To all the ladies in the place with style and grace, allow me to lace these lyrical dishes in your... Hello, everybody. You have reached the Sports Psych MDs podcast. If you don't know, now you know. All right, so today we're going to talk to you a little bit about momentum. Momentum starts with mindfulness. You add gratitude You reinforce gratitude with hard work, dedication, and effort, and then you ultimately get to a point where you can achieve mental flexibility and resilience. These are all the ingredients to momentum. And momentum is that power and that force behind being in the zone and performing at your very best. That's what it's all about. That's what we want to talk to you about.
1: Let's How do, do it. How we get there? Let's do it. And How did we get to greatness? We're talking. We're also going to have a moment of mindfulness segment where we talk about transgender athletes in sports. Uh-oh. Boom, boom. Let's get into it's it. Let's do it.
0: Time. I'm gonna be trash talking to you all episode. Hey, it is what it is, man. That's, game on. That's the game within the game. Game on,
1: brother. What are we talking about today?
0: Yeah, man, we uh we're gonna get into it with a little game theory, sports psych MD style. We're gonna break down momentum is what we're gonna do. Yeah, yeah. momentum. Yeah. yeah. The man, hot we, uh, hand. What we we talk about this stuff all the time in, in the past we referred on to fire. things like yeah, being in the zone and you know, we talked about, you know, mental flexibility.
1: Did you, wait, hold on. Did you ever play NBA Jam as a kid? I
0: did. I love that game. Oh, my I God. I love
1: taking advantage of he's on fire, of oh the momentum. I think it was three shots in a row. And yeah, balls man. Ball's on fire. No, I, yeah. You know. Gary I'm, Payton, Sean Camp. Who'd you play with?
0: Oh, I remember it was Reggie Miller. I remember he, that fool. Mark a Jackson. Fire. Oh, yeah.
1: B.J. Armstrong. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, B. Oh,
0: yes. <laughs> B.J. Armstrong is ridiculous, man. Yeah. He was actually a guy that, uh, he had some big shots. Yeah. Charles Barkley and Kevin some Johnson. He big shots in his career.
1: Oh, uh, man, there's some good. Ooh, the Hornets were good. Mm-hmm. Who was Who was Larry Johnson. Yeah, Larry Johnson. Who was the second guy? Amazing. Or no, Muggsy Bogues. No. Muggsy Bogues, but there was a there was another good one. I have Alonzo Mourning.
0: Oh, how did I forget about Alonzo? I always think about him in Miami, because that's you know, where he won the chip. but That was the team right there. Al- oh, my Alonzo Mori, man, he was oh, the defense, the blocks. Yeah, so they couldn't
1: really hit the threes, though.
0: Him and uh, Dikembe, uh, they were at Georgetown together. And uh, I like think the Twin Towers, man, it was crazy. Good times.
1: I want to play some NBA Jam, man. It's been a while. Oh, wouldn't that be?
0: Classic. Good? Wouldn't that be lovely?
1: He's on fire. Who would be your NBA Jam tandem right now?
0: Ooh. Wow, some great questions, man. Well, honestly, man, I'd have to go with AD and LeBron. Mm -hmm. You already know. Come on, who
1: would be your number two? That's a great question. PG Kawhi. Not for me. Not for me. Quick answer, okay. Not for me. Giannis and anyone else. Um,
0: (laughs) I know, right. Should have been Middleton, but yeah, I mean he's having an uh, an uh, odd year. Um, Harden and Westbrook, Ooh, yeah. okay, because they're they're doing it right now. They, uh, there's something going on there. I'm not saying it's gonna you know amount to, to a whole lot in the playoffs. You know they still have a lot to prove at, at that level, but I like it.
1: Yeah, I like I, what they're doing. I think two the best tandems would be LeBron AD, Harden Westbrook, Kawhi PG. I need and to see next, more Kawhi PG on the floor. Next man. year, you're getting Kyrie, Kyrie, KD. Seeing a
0: lot of them together, but we'll see, man. Oh, and Steph and Clay Thompson—that'd be
1: pretty awesome. Just oh, <laughs> draining yeah, threes Stephen the whole time. Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I always liked having that guy that could just dunk it like crazy and mm-hmm. get the block shots. You got to mix it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I got classic game. in the paint. But that, I mean, besides NBA Jam, we're talking about. What is momentum? How do you gain momentum? And mm-hmm. how do you stop that negative momentum? Like everyone's been there when you feel like shit's just not going your way. And how do you course correct? And how do you get back on track? We're going to talk all about that today. But, but, but first, you want to have a moment of mindfulness?
0: Why not? Yeah.
1: So this is, we introduced this kind of, we had a full episode about- Taking a coffee break. Moment of mindfulness prior to this. And we want to introduce just a segment briefly about something that came up in the news. On February 12th.
0: By the way, how did y'all like that how coaching delivers greatness Pod that we just dropped? Hopefully you enjoyed that. and please forgive us. I know that it says episode 22, right? but you know we had to we had to give our, our respects to, to the great Mamba course. Oh, yeah, so we had to pause for that for a few weeks and you know moment of reflection. Hopefully you forgive us for that, but
1: yes. So, we wanted to do this mindfulness moment because, once again, we're going to talk about mindfulness being a key ingredient towards creating momentum and stopping momentum. So, February 12th, an article came out that said girls sued to block participation of transgender athletes. This is going on in the state of Connecticut. So, the families of three high school runners filed a federal lawsuit seeking to block transgender athletes in Connecticut from participating in girls' sports. So currently right now, Connecticut is one of 17 states in the United States that allows transgender athletes to participate in whatever sport gender they identify in.
0: Yeah, I mean, male to female transition, okay? Um, I identify as female. I can now compete in women's sports. Mm And vice uh, girl versa. Sp- girl sports.
1: So this is in the news. There's our article on ESPN. If you've been paying attention to sports, you've probably come across this article. I've actually seen people discussing this and debating this over the past year or so. And there's no consensus at this time. As you can see, different states have different rules. In actuality, the NCAA and the Olympics just announced new regulations with regards to And the focus is more so on transgender women because the idea is that a trans woman has a competitive advantage over a cis woman and for people who may not know cis woman just means they identify as the gender that correlates to their biological sex very
0: controversial topic first of all all right so we um, definitely gonna try to look at this from a, a delicate balance perspective
1: sometimes these conversations get heated and I think it's important that people talk about it.
0: You got to get it out there. Yeah, I mean, you got, yeah, everyone should be able to express themselves. And these young ladies have certainly expressed themselves by filing this lawsuit. It's going to get a lot of people's attention. It's a moment. It's a very important moment in our society because I think we're all going to have to really kind of pause and take a look at this, you know, take a look at like, what this all really means, like what this implies. I mean, on the one hand, you have women, you know, who have expressed themselves by determining that, you know, that they were born in the, in the wrong body. So they have a biological predisposition, you know, have certain phenotypical characteristics, which creates a body, right? But their identity and the role they choose to play is as a female, right? And we appreciate that, and we've embraced that, and now we've determined. When did that, you that choose? She,
1: when did you choose to play the role of a male?
0: I can't I fit, remember a time to fit that masculine. I honestly can't I remember identity. a time when it was a question. I, that that there, you know, there's been many questions you know, about many different mm. things mm. along the way, but that was never one of them. It just never wasn't even like a, a question, but I would be, you know, I, so therefore I, it's hard for me to walk in that, sh- in those mm-hmm. shoes. And I appreciate that. Um, nevertheless, uh, here we are, this individual who identifies as a girl is competing against girls. So, so you're
1: saying someone who is biologically X, Y, biologically male, mm-hmm. but identifies yeah. as female.
0: Right. And that's her identity, okay? And as we would any identity, embrace her ability to compete with others in yeah, that To group, have the same rights group, as everyone, group, as everyone group, else. And yeah. all the rights and all the entitlements.
1: And to enjoy competition, to play sports, because we all know the value of sports. Mm-hmm. Sports keep people out of trouble. Sports help people grow resilience, mental flexibility. That's right. Sports teach hard, hard work. We know all the values of sports. So obviously everyone should have the right to play sports and take part in competition because it's healthy. The argument from the families and the the women, the high school women who are, are suing the federal government, they argue that allowing athletes with male anatomy to compete has deprived them of track titles and scholarship opportunities. And they're also with this saying that that male anatomy puts that biological male at a competitive advantage over a biological female, regardless of the genders.
0: In... That's relevant. It's, it's a, it's, it's a relevant, Extremely relevant point, you know, and one that has to be taken into consideration.
1: Because what's the essence of sports? Like all these values, the important aspects of sports, what is the foundation of sport? What what makes sport and competition so enthralling and, and in a process that has so much value? Mm-hmm. Like when I think of the essence of sports, I think of fair play. Definitely. Definitely.
0: I mean, there's probably a set number of core values. You know, you, you talk to different legends of, of sport, like, you know, the, we talked about it in the last episode, you know, the Greg Popoviches, the Red Auerbachs. Pat Summits. The Pat Summits of the world. Um, you know, the, the legends, the Bill Belichicks.
1: Nick Sabans.
0: Each one of them would probably have a different list, but it would all probably include... Fair play. Like except all for, of them would have. Except for Bill Bell. No, don't. Okay. Let's come on. But yes, and and sportsmanship, and for sure. Those I mean, are the sportsmanship is is right there, right there. Sportsmanship. I mean, here's the thing: it sports is an institution, right? I mean, it, it's it's a cultural icon, cultural phenomenon, and like with any institution, right? It stands upon. It's values. I mean, those are the pillars of, of any institution and and those are the things that you cannot replace. Okay.
1: It's, a, it's those are things you can't replace. Absolutely. It's a societal bonding game of sports. Entity. Is.
0: Yeah. it's this entity that really without those core values, the topic here, sportsmanship and fair play, without these things, there's nothing, you know. Coaches, players, executives—you know, strategists, uh, no. fan bases—you know—all those things are replaceable. And parts. you're not,
1: you're not learning those virtues if it's not fair play. You're not learning that hard work pays off. Yeah. Um, you're learning that kind of cheating or having an advantage pays off. Yeah. So
0: absolutely. I mean, these are just things that um, you uh, you you have to always tried to to uphold and in this case it's all about um, respect yes respect for the game and, and you know in this case and
1: respect for your counterparts
0: yeah for the too. people
1: the people you're playing the game with that too
0: yeah man and um so when you think of it from that perspective it's tough now the transgender athlete in this case she also spoke up she voiced her opinion and and you know, kind of provided a counter-narrative, which I found to be equally compelling, right? It was, hey, look, you know, this is who I am. This is who I've always been. And, you know, I've worked hard. Yeah, I worked hard. Uh, I worked as hard as everyone else, if, you know, if not harder to get to where I am. You know, I earned those awards and, and those achievements. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's powerful. It's a powerful story
1: and it's it becomes even more powerful when you realize and this is a little subjective when you realize how much discrimination that transgender individual faces in society today and things are hopefully changing in the right direction and i we see that things are changing in the right direction so that's getting better but with all that in mind and this that looming over this and then you have this lawsuit that is trying to exclude transgender women from Having the right mm-hmm. to compete in sports with the gender they identify with mm-hmm. isn't that discrimination
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean yeah man there there's there are absolutely some associations there i mean i don't i don't know if that's debatable. the fruits of those associations uh, would be up to you know, I guess a a panel of jurors, you know, but
1: yeah. I I think that's where we can really debate and get in the weeds. I think we're both on the same page with regards to there being biological differences between sexes. And I know there's some individuals that would argue against that, um, depending on who you talk to. But if you look at, let's just take height, for example, Mm -hmm. the average male, 5'10 or so. Average female, 5'5 or so. And obviously there's plenty of females, women, that are 5'10 that are my height or taller than me. Yeah, especially athletes. Yeah, thousands, especially Mm -hmm. athletes, especially WNBA athletes, especially volleyball players. But if you look at the fringes of the standard deviation, like the the averages, and basketball is the perfect example, you look at people that play basketball, college, NBA, even big time high school. The guys are a lot taller mm-hmm. than the women,
0: even on average. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So there's no. Seven, is there any seven foot women in the WNBA? Not that I'm aware of. Yeah. So, at the fringes, that's when the differences become really stark. So when you're talking athletes. Obviously, when you get to the professional athletes in any sport, you're already at the fringes of athletic ability. So we're talking about on average, there's plenty of men and women that overlap with regards to overall biological differences, muscle mass, bone size, height, you name it. But at the fringes, the males on average are going to be bigger, taller, faster, stronger, can jump higher because of a little hormone called testosterone.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, you're right, man. Um, makes a big difference. And and I think, you, you know, you would, we, we were talking about this earlier. We mentioned how the NCAA, they're basing their rules of competition on this whole, like, testosterone
1: thing. So high school in these states just say that you can compete in whatever gender that you identify as. The NCAA... They have a different rule. They say transgender women can compete on women's teams after they've completed one year of testosterone suppression treatment. But they don't look at limits of the testosterone. The International Olympic Committee, which overruns the Olympics, Mm. they have a little bit more strict rules. So they measure the blood testosterone levels, and a trans woman has to keep her testosterone below 10 nanomoles per liter for a minimum of 12 months. Okay,
0: so in theory,
1: they're,
0: they're, they're assuming that at that level or below, there's no competitive advantage?
1: So the thing is, a typical premenopausal cis woman generally is at 1.7 nanomoles or less. But cool. their cutoff for trans women is 10. And the average man ranges... Cis male ranges from 7.7 to 29.4. So if you're looking just at the testosterone numbers, a trans woman's testosterone can go all the way up to 10 nanomoles per liter where the average cis female's testosterone is 1.7 or less. Wow, So there a big is difference. an 8.3 difference there, possibly. So Most likely. It, so is it fair? You asked that. That's a subjective word, fair.
0: Well, it's subjective now. I so
1: guess. we're trying to use biology here to, and the question is, do we want to use biology to bind our rules, create our rules, or do we, do we use biology to guide us and we ultimately make the decision?
0: Yeah. I, you know, I, I think is, it would be dangerous to, to have biology and science Making the rules and dictating everything, I think, I think science should guide. You know, I think, it, I think it's a tool. You know, I think that it's it's a very useful tool to to make decisions. But at the end of the day, like it has to be, you know, human element to it. You know, we, we have to, I mean, we we have to recognize that every situation is different, and there's there's a an element of concreteness to to science at times, and I think the human element is what provides for the, the abstract.
1: Yeah, the nuance. I think what, what we're seeing here is that biology, science is telling us that biological men do have a competitive advantage, at least at the fringes from biological women based off just physical maturation. Yeah. So we, it's an unfair advantage for cis women if we allow trans women to compete in the same arena but is this a tolerable unfairness or is it intolerable? You know,
0: I I think, you know, a lot of it is going to come down to us getting away from this need for this kind of duality, you know, where it's like just one or the other. It's not binary. No. Binary. You know, everything, it's like, you know, black and white and we have to kind of embrace that gray, the the gray, you know, the, the spectrum, you know, the variations,
1: the non-binary Gender, yeah the gender fluidity yeah you know i just
0: it just it just seems like that's where the world is going and that that may be ultimately where you know the sports world is going too. i mean who knows where a case like this especially if it goes all the way to the top you know imagine getting like the supreme court or something like that i mean obviously you know we're we're going way off on a tangent here but i mean you know it's it's a big deal you know and we're when you think about it though. It's not that that foreign to sports to have different classes right uh, classifications, and those for those classifications to be based on physical ability or physical size at least right like think about uh like boxing, for example, right think about mixed martial arts, you know stuff like that like there's this stratification based on weight class and and that way, you know, bigger guys and, you know, bigger ladies, you know, are fighting against, you know, <laughs> people that are, are similar in size. Mm-hmm. Now, I think there can be a similar kind of, you know, thing that happens with how we classify athletes generally.
1: So, are you trying to say you put every individual, male, female, trans, cis into one big field, and you create different classes, whether it be by weight, height, muscle mass, levels of testosterone. Something like that. Create some sort of algorithm.
0: Right, an algorithm, exactly,
1: right, so. That groups people into evenly matched physical abilities.
0: Right, so ultimately, uh, you know, having a formula, a, a formulaic way of determining levels of competition, right? Or groups of competition based not on gender at all. Like gender's not even a part of it, right? We're taking that out.
1: You don't want to put any social factors like gender identity or socioeconomic status into play? because Why would don't, we do that? Well, think about this. Certain cultures invest more money into ma- male sports. Certain cultures yeah, again, put more emphasis, on, have tr- more resources, more yeah. money to get... Better training, higher paid coaches.
0: But it goes back to the values. You know, we, we really, we, sports is that is that one aspect of our culture, our society, where everybody can kind of meet in the middle, right? Yeah. And sports
1: wouldn't be the same if you didn't have that underdog started from the bottom, now we're here. You know, someone who comes from nothing. Absolutely. Can, wants to compete against that person that comes from everything. Yeah. And wants to beat them yeah so yeah i'm with you on that
0: and i and i think what we can do though is we can we can create groups based on like high level science you know like things like some sort of overall performance appraisal based on both physical and mental performance kind of appraisals right so that you're literally putting people together that all have similar potential right not about gender, but you know, just about ability to perform. That's fair.
1: I agree. I couldn't agree more. So, this is an idea that actually, if if you have an opportunity, in the Journal of Medical Ethics. There was a great essay written by Alison Heather and her colleagues, where they talked about this. They tried to think of a nuanced way, a new way to to group athletes so it's an even playing field for everyone and they talked about having like physiological parameters in the algorithm like testosterone hemoglobin levels height weight endurance capacity and some you you tie all these things together that you think impact someone's potential during a match and you try to even it out so you are across from someone else who has the same essentially physical capabilities and now it just becomes but then it just becomes a mental game, right? Because the beauty, another beauty about sports is you have the bigger, stronger guy versus the shorter, frailer, quicker guy. And it's interesting to see who can win that. So, yeah, it's, this needs, this need, I don't think, we need to know, think this one out a little bit.
0: But I don't think those have to go away, you know? Mm hmm. I mean, in what really, what we're talking about here may actually be most appropriate for junior competition. You know, maybe professional competition is still something else. I don't know. But um, I definitely think that in the developmental phases, which, you know, this these girls that are petitioning this, this lawsuit, um, they're talking about high school competition yeah. and earning scholarships and things like that. And And I get that, you know.
1: Because at the end of the day, none of the major male professional leagues would change with this because those are the typical. Oh, yeah. But that's our. Those are the elite athletes. Yeah.
0: I mean, that population's already kind of been selected out, you know, genetically. They're just sort of genetic anomalies. (laughs) Yeah. It's not even the mutants. But
1: so if we had these. No offense. They're great. We had these parameters. (laughs) this is going to be an ongoing conversation. Obviously there's a federal case now and we'll see what the resolution is. And we'll see at this point, I think the federal government is just stepping back, letting the States come up with their own rules. We'll see if there's like a top down approach and people model what the Olympics did or the NCAA does. Um, So jury's still out. And with regards to, is this a tolerable unfairness? Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and I'm a little afraid to say this, but um, by all means, share, share your share your thoughts on our Instagram page. You know, if you you know have an impression that you'd like to make. Yeah, um, we'll,
1: we'll we'll post the link to the article on the Twitter page as well. Yeah, uh, but we want to we want to hear feedback for sure on this because I know it's it could be a polarizing topic, but it deserves discussion, um, complete discussion. We don't know the answers, is what, essentially what we're trying to say. No. All right. So thanks for that mindfulness moment, Armin. I appreciate that, Dr. Hose. So let's get into momentum. Let's do it. Let's talk about Mo. What are the, what goes into momentum? What are the wellness factors? Ooh. Wait, did we just coin a new term? Wellness factors.
0: (laughs) What is that? What are wellness factors? Well, it's like this when you talk about medical doctors, particularly psychiatrists, Medical doctors and and what we're trying to bring to the sports world, in a nutshell, it comes down to resilience. Okay, resilience is uh, something apparently is very hard to come by. Yeah, that's um, the
1: one. That's if that could be the end result in any encounter I have with a person or a patient. That's what I want it to be. Yeah, I think that's the one. The that's the key grail. to success of with regards to anything.
0: And uh, the thing is, although it is hard to come by. There is a process. There is a way to get there. We kind of want to talk through some things with you guys uh, to kind of see if we can all kind of help figure out how to get there together. Because mm-hmm. um, there's a lot to it. And we've talked about some of these things before. I think we're going to talk about some new things today uh, yeah. to try to piece together this puzzle. Piece it. Let's
1: piece it. So resilience that ability to just focus on that goal, attain your goals, maintain mindfulness in that pursuit of your goal being able to eliminate all of the distractions overcome obstacles stressors bounce back ability that's all what what resilience and, and is it a state of mind or is it something that you build upon throughout your life and you can become more and more resilient mm-hmm. through practice through experiences yeah you ever been in the zone Ooh, that's what we're going to get to, but uh, hold your horses there. That's, that's the end goal here. Cause that's, that's what momentum that's is, is being in the zone, but other wellness factors besides resilience. We got, I think confidence. light at
0: the end of the tunnel.
1: Sorry. I I'm thinking confidence, self-efficacy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How confident are you that you can get the job done, that you can step on that court and win the game that you can step on that field and win yeah. the MVP, lead your team to victory. How confident are you in your skills? Well, it starts with mindfulness. So two things we can do, mindfulness, gratitude, be grateful, mindfully great. So these wellness factors that all go into what we're going to talk about momentum, these wellness factors are resilience. We also kind of call it mental flexibility. That's a key ingredient, Mm -hmm. being confident in your skills, just being, having that confidence, that's a key ingredient. And then two things you can do kind of immediately that go along with this is mindfulness, being able to be mindful being appreciative of the moment, being present and aware of everything that's going on, but without acting on it, without judging it and without reacting, but just being present. That's a skill that if you practice over time, it's like being like meditating. That'll get you to that flow state that we're going to talk about.
0: I don't know. I'm one of these guys. I really like listening to the post game interviews. Mm -hmm. And um, when I, when I, I listen to the greats, um, there's one thing that I often uh, find myself hearing again and again, you know, after games, whether it's wins or losses, you know, whatever the case may be, it's, it's this, this focus on not, you know, what happened yesterday, you know, not what's going to happen tomorrow or a week from now. It's what's going on right now. Right. It's what, it's all about what's going on right mm-hmm. now. You know, it's like, LeBron, LeBron's really great about this. You know, they they ask him, you know, hey LeBron, what do you think about, you know, you got Golden State coming up next week? You know, this is you know back when, of course, you know they were in the dynasty, and and he would say, you know, listen, I got we got the Timberwolves coming up tomorrow, right? That's the next game, you know. So we I gotta start pre- preparing for that right now. You know, I gotta get my body right. I gotta go good in the you know the in the in the cold tank. You know, I got to, you know, start to recover. I'm going to start like watching film. I mean, mindfulness is what he's he's just like, look, I'm locked into what's going on, what I got to do right now. I don't know if LeBron's the best example, but yeah. Next game, you know, my next opponent, I'm not worried about what's going on next week. You know, I'm not worried about what just happened.
1: Yeah, we just, we talked about this last episode. When losing a
0: draw, I'm always bringing my A game right and and I'm always you know looking to be in the present be in the moment, so that's where it starts, and we take it from there,
1: all right, yeah, for sure, and then what's the next level to that It's being grateful that's right, having gratitude being able to easily see the positive things in your life and maybe that takes you first being mindful to notice them mm-hmm. and yeah. then you see the positive things and you you want to be open to that
0: See, gratitude provides something. It's pretty much a key ingredient to all of this, which is balance. Gratitude really helps provide the balance. It keeps you grounded. You know, it keeps you realizing, you know, you you ever, you ever hear athletes, you know, talking about, I got to stay humble, you know, um, and they often say things like, I don't want to, you know, take this moment for granted. Oh yeah. Like these are all gratitude practices, Mm -hmm. right? It's like. You know they think they they think their teammates the greats always do. Yeah, this, that's you know? them
1: appreciating the moment, also being yeah. mindful. That's why I think mindfulness and gratitude kind of intertwine, and mind, mindfulness is like the beginning stages, and then you get to gratitude when you put that positive filter to things, and that only leads to improvement and more confidence and more resilience. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like mindfulness and gratitude are the building blocks for resilience and self-efficacy, confidence, and they then are. those allow you. To gain momentum and take mm-hmm. advantage of momentum, yep. and also, if you're on the wrong side of momentum, they help you break it. Yeah. So you want to you want to jump into momentum? Yeah. The big mo? Well, it's a game of runs, dude. You're getting in the zone.
0: <laughs> it's a game of runs. Yeah. Basketball is a great way of of kind of just demonstrating momentum, you know, just in terms of like you see these you know shifts right in the way that you could say these swings of momentum happening throughout the course of the, the, the mm-hmm. game as teams
1: go on scoring runs. Oh yeah, I love those 20-0 runs. Mm-hmm. Oh, remember the Warriors in the third quarter just coming out swinging? Yeah, absolutely. They would all, they would create a lot of momentum in that third quarter. So what do you think about that? Do you think momentum's a real thing? Or is it, us as humans, we like to see patterns. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden we're like, we perk up whenever there's a 20 run and we think there's something else at play other than just the skill set interacting. Mm-hmm. We think there's some sort of mental aspect to it or something. There's like some, what's that word metaphysical or non-physical aspect. That's like, the, Oh yeah. The vibrations between the players. What is momentum? Is it, is it, the it, feeling it's a, in the air?
0: No, it, it's a, it, it is when positive energy you know, or, you know, positively reinforce energy becomes, uh, you know, energy is one of these things It's very dynamic. You do go right? physics? It's very dynamic. It's constantly moving, constantly in motion. But, you know, we can capture, we can harness it. We can harness energy, we can manipulate it in different ways. And I believe that the energy, you know, hey, Star Wars, right, the force, I believe that we can, when we are at peak performance, right? We when we are functioning at our highest level, right? And putting all of the practice, the mindfulness, right? all of the all the preparation, the
1: gratitude,
0: all those things together to achieve a goal in in such a way that we are really getting the very best out of ourselves and channeling all that energy into one moment. I do believe that we can sort of in, in some way almost like change the dynamics of space, of space and time around us. You ever hear athletes, when they get into the zone, they say things like yeah, the game slows down mm-hmm. for them? I think that's what's happening. I mean, there, there there is this shift in the forces, you know, between that person and the world around them to where their perception of time really does change. And they are sort of just controlling the moment, mm-hmm. you know, they're just like totally fixed and focused on the moment. It's sort of like this heightened state of mindfulness, yeah. right? And when tunnel you capture vision. that, just to total tunnel vision, you know, it kind of reminds me, it harkens back to like, you know, this Buddhist theory, you know, and, and what, what these monks talk about when they're able to achieve high levels of you know, meditative
1: power. Mm-hmm. It's that flow state. Yeah, it's the ability to get to a point where you're not thinking you're just acting it's it's beyond mindfulness to get there. You have to practice mindfulness, but it's almost something that gets drilled into you over time where it's like muscle memory. You practice something over and over again. By the time you do something for the thousandth or ten thousandth time, you don't have to think about it. Like when Eli Manning threw that post-corner to Mario Manningham in the Super Bowl against the Patriots in the second Super Bowl against them. Yeah, That's muscle memory. He, he's been throwing that, that ball for years. Yeah. And it landed, boom, boom, toes in. That's muscle memory. That's flow state. He's not thinking. He's just acting and reacting. And it's almost unconscious. So you get to this point through so much conscious work. You start out with mindfulness, gratefulness practices. And over time you capture that momentum, you get in that flow state, you're eliminating all of the distractions, and you're just focused on the moment. Your body is not inhibited at all, essentially.
0: Mm-hmm. It's like fully proactive. There's no, it's not reacting to anything. You it know? feels effortless. Yeah.
1: You don't have to concentrate. Complete control. Complete control. And guess what happens when you're in this flow state? Or guess, how do you get to this flow state? So it always starts, like momentum always starts you have to have some sort of initial success, some triggering moment. It might be a big block, highlight real dunk. You say you hit your first shot of the game. That boosts your confidence. That's positive reinforcing. Mm. When you accomplish a goal, when yeah. you do that, reinforcing to your confidence, and that gets the ball turning. Because what's yeah. mo- momentum in physics is like if you push a ball down a hill, it's going to continue to pick up more and more speed. Yeah. And this yeah. is what's happened. But it's not speed.
0: It's velocity. There you go. You got to right? have that push. And, and the, the difference, of course, with velocity and speed is that you have a, a certain direction, right, of travel. It's a direction of travel. It's, it's, a, it's a target. You're aimed in a particular direction. hmm Yeah. It's so. not just speed. And, yeah, I mean, momentum is great because it's something that's more consistent with the dynamic force, right, as opposed to just, you know, something static that you know i mean we're talking about something that's like constantly changing and evolving and so momentum is the type of energy that can really go with something that's in a a state of constant change it
1: adds upon itself it keeps going it's positively reinforcing and that's why i think it becomes infectious your whole team if it's a team sport your whole team can feel it the fans can feel it Yeah, right.
0: Absolutely. Yes. You can feel it in the arena. You
1: get that feeling. Um, and it's like, it's like that energy, like what you said earlier, I think it has a lot to do. Like you can look at cognitive behavioral therapy, which we talked about in an episode way back, what we can do for you Mm -hmm. podcast way back. But the cognitive triangle is thoughts, feelings, and behaviors or actions. And when you have, and it's known when you, when there's momentum going on, you have positive thoughts, positive feelings. Guess what? You get positive actions.
0: Yes, you do. You're
1: more likely to be focused on your goals. More likely to succeed. Exactly. <laughs> and superlative. So another thing that factors into this is kind of like the placebo effect.
0: Yeah, that good old fashioned placebo effect. Man, comes it always comes oh, back.
1: We use always uh, comes back to as that. a psychiatrist. We know well. We utilize this.
0: Oftentimes, there's this. Component in our results In terms of the benefits In the outcome That's hard to account for And That benefit We often attribute to Frankly The belief That the patient Who's receiving that treatment has In their ability To get better Right It's not Always just about The influence That the drug has On the body um, That dictates the outcome right? I mean, there are other factors, other forces. And in psychiatry, it's something that we really very much appreciate. You know, it's something that we understand as an inherent part of the process. And this is, I think, certainly for me, why I put so much stock into the relationship that I have with my patients, my clients, you know, into the therapeutic alliance that we have, because I know that that is going to also make a big difference. Yeah. You know, if they believe in me, they trust.
1: Mm-hmm. That's the key of the placebo effect is if the patient has positive thoughts and believes they're going to get better with this treatment, then they're more likely to get better, regardless of whether it is an actual treatment or it's a sugar pill, a placebo pill. Mm-hmm. So that's what the placebo effect is. And it's the patient's belief that they're going to get better is going to increase their likelihood of getting better. And that's why the job of the psychiatrist, a good psychiatrist, will give that patient that positive state of mind, that positive filter, and make them believe they're going to get better with the treatment. And they just so happen to also get a treatment. So you get yeah. double the placebo effect plus the effect from the medication. Yeah. But that just goes to show that and there's been tons of studies, like the, the study we, ba- we base our use of SSRIs or antidepressants on mm-hmm. with regards to treating major depressive disorder, the SSRIs like Zoloft or Lexapro, They work about 60% of the time. Placebo sugar pills work 40% of the time. So in 40% of people, four out of 10 people get better. Their depression gets better with use of a sugar pill.
0: Yeah. So, you know, as you can see, the difference isn't always just based on exposure to the treatment. Mindset. It's mindset too.
1: So there's been studies that show that placebos actually affect your biology or neurochemistry. They, look, they looked at individuals that, that, for pain control. They gave them a placebo. And the opioid receptors in the brain lit up and were activated on brain scans. So the mind's a powerful thing. If you're thinking that you're going to get better, you're more likely to get better. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, but it, there's actually some, some practicality to this because... I mean, if you think about it, like, if you believe in something, right, you're much more likely to do all of the things required for participation, right? Like, you're more, much more likely to take the medicine on time, every time, right? You're much more likely to, to follow up, you know, even when you're supposed to. And do all the little things, too. Mm -hmm. You're much more
1: likely to listen to your doctor mm -hmm.
0: with regards to maybe diet, exercise, exercise, plan, healthy lifestyle, you know, and yeah, sleeping right. And, you know, all the little things that go into the process.
1: Positive filter. Yeah. Which creates positive thoughts, positive feelings, and positive actions. You put yourself out there when you're feeling better and feeling more confident and that's what ties into momentum. You're l- more likely to feed off that momentum. That's that positive kind of energy like you talked about earlier. It's almost a placebo effect in a way, but I don't want to say placebo effect and people. Some people think that that's like, I'm getting scammed. No, that's yeah, real, like, like it's magic. that's
0: powerful. <laughs> they think it's like wizardry or, or you know. Yeah. I'm not
1: saying that you can sit in a dark room and just think away all your negative things and pain. You know, that's the Buddhist thing. We, we
0: didn't thing. talk about this. Yeah, we we should have talked about this a little bit more. No, this is something that you don't just pick up a basketball, you know, and just start, you know, in this no, like you got to get threes. that muscle
1: memory first. <laughs>
0: you know, it's gonna start draining threes. What's you it know? take? Ten thousand hours uh, to be great at something? Yeah, it takes so much work to get there, uh, so much time, so much effort, and you know, it's 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 about reinforcement. I mean, all these things we talked about are meaningless unless they're reinforced and and unless they become habits
1: yep yep and that's that's like we said before you have to practice mindfulness you have to practice gratitude and that's going to build your confidence and once your confidence builds what's next that that's pretty much you have resilience right there yeah and then you're taking advantage of momentum and then what happens when when you're on the wrong side of momentum
0: yeah, things can start going wrong. You know, they say when it when it rains it pours. What
1: happened? How do you stop that? How do you how do you break that moment? How momentum? do you stop
0: the rain? You know, there 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 aren't many things you can do. Chief Well,
1: <laughs> Timeout, timeout, okay. time timeout, timeout. Draymond Green sure. kicks the groin?
0: Yeah. Now, you really you really you have to pause. You have to put it on pause.
1: You literally have to put it on pause. Yeah. Like timeout's a great example. You see this in football, you see this in basketball. MLB pitching change Mm -hmm. you know oh yeah yeah oh yeah definitely oh by the way they just announced a new rule where you can't if you bring in a new pitcher for an inning they have to face three batters or finish the inning if you put in a new pitcher in the middle of an inning they have to put a closer in there exactly (laughs) we're getting to closers next so obviously people who've been practicing mindfulness are confident um are resilient they can break momentum yeah What does it take to break momentum if you're an opposing player? Maybe you call a timeout, but maybe you don't have any timeouts left. Technical foul. (laughs) All right. What if you can't afford that?
0: I don't know what you're going to do. I mean... So
1: it sounds to me like calling a timeout, getting a technical foul, it causes a break in the game, a pause. mm -hmm. So that creates a moment where you can be mindful. You can bring your focus back to the game because a lot of times you may lose momentum when you get distracted. Yeah. And while
0: we're talking about this, we might as well talk about why gratitude is so important to this whole thing and why it really is the, the sort of like um,
1: that The one, straw that the stirs wo- the drink?
0: It's the straw.
1: N- no, but, not the straw because those are damaging to the environment. <laughs> Metal straw.
0: <laughs> it's, it's, it's actually, if we're talking about a drink, it's actually like the, you know, the, the sugar it, you know, like the, it's, it's, it's everything. It's, it's like literally the drink. I Stevia,
1: mean, monk fruit.
0: So gratitude is what basically is the, it's the most essential thing because when all else fails, okay. When there's no hope, okay. Your back's against the wall. Back's against the wall. There's no extrinsic sources of positive reinforcement, i.e. motivation, the teammate, your teammates don't trust you. You, you have know, to fire the, something the coach, up from within. The the coach, you know, he, he doesn't believe in you. You know, the fans, you know, they're they're booing you. What else do you have? You have nothing left, other than an internal source, the one internal source of positive feeling, positive energy, uh, to reinforce in that moment. To Jump start, restart you know this whole you know mindfulness gratitude resilience pathway
1: so you're you're saying, take a step back, appreciate the moment, appreciate where you're at, and then you're more likely
0: recognize that's all you have is right now
1: that's more likely to fire you up and get you all going. you have
0: you have nothing else but but right now right mm-hmm. you you have now, and you can make a choice right now
1: to be great, yeah right now, so that's So being grateful, appreciative of the moment, being mindful, those are almost interchangeable in this instance, places your focus solely on the task at hand, which is more likely to make you more competitive and make you better at what you're doing at the task, Yeah. which leads you to have a higher likelihood of breaking that momentum, bouncing back, and winning the game.
0: Yeah, and if you're lucky, right? If you're really lucky and you put in the work and you achieve that momentum and ultimately become resilient and you know have that kind of sustained greatness over the course of a career until it's time to ride off into the sunset, then perhaps like uh, the great Kobe Bryant, you may achieve self-actualization.
1: Oh, wow. We're tying it all together. That's right. So I love that, and this is another value of this podcast. We wanna educate that gratification when it comes from within you don't need that external validation or praise mm-hmm. when you're playing for an internal like if you're playing and competing to challenge yourself for yourself that's powerful oh yeah because it's always going to be more consistent and stable because lord knows that the world is a stressful place everything outside is your control is stressful the only thing you can control is yourself so if that motivation comes within and the only thing you it's control powerful. is
0: yourself right now you have no control of what you do it, before and bring it in. yeah or what you would do tomorrow or you know so in, not, the next moment
1: and I'm not saying like there's a lot of individuals that play for the family they play for their city they play for their coach they play for their Lord and savior but at some point they internalize that drive. That's the drive that connects them to whoever they're playing with. But it's it's internalized in a way.
0: A yeah, fire that burns from within. Yeah.
1: Intestinal fortitude. It is, yeah. So when we're talking about momentum, this this goes kind of smoothly into talking about closers. These individuals we just talked about are more likely to be quote unquote closers, people that can get it done in the clutch, people that can play at their best when the best is needed, are people that have self confidence resilience are able to be mindful and able to be grateful if we're, if we're talking about closers i'm going to talk about the super bowl and patrick mahomes so this is a stat i saw the other way with regards to patrick mahomes within the season when he was behind double digits when the chiefs were behind double digits he was five and zero. and in the playoffs when they were down double digits he was three and zero. and yeah so just in the playoffs he the Chiefs came back from three double-digit deficits, including the Super Bowl, to win the Super Bowl. And Mahomes won MVP, in large part because of his ability to close, his performance in the clutch. Pretty much the first three quarters of the Super Bowl. He was off his game, probably playing the worst game of his career to date.
0: Well, definitely of the season. That
1: last fourth quarter, though, that's the Mahomes we've come to know and respect, that last. Amazing arm, decision making skills, just the ability all over the floor or all over the field. But the one thing that never goes away with Mahomes, even in the Super Bowl, his demeanor on the sidelines, his attitude on the sidelines, you can tell the confidence, the resilience, the self efficacy. You can tell he's being mindful because he's getting out after his teammates. He's doing what he knows best to do in order to create that momentum, create that team okay. cohesion.
0: And that's all part of it. And if you remember Tom Brady, uh, you know, back in those big games, like he was fired up. You know, know, Skip Bayless calls him Psycho Tom. You know, he just has this whole alter ego. And you see it. it, It's a completely different guy than the guy that's in the press conferences, you know, where he's just really super chill and laid back. No, he's Psycho Tom, man. He's on a
1: different level. I want to call him super chill and laid back. I don't think he's eaten a strawberry for 10 years.
0: Well, you know what I mean? Like he's just—he's not like screaming at the top of his lungs. I mean, he's just more—you know—measured.
1: Yeah, he'd freak out if he came in contact with an avocado.
0: <laughs> you're such a hater. This is what
1: happens. I don't think he's chill. <laughs> All
0: right, Peyton, you know the Peyton
1: Manning. You always of the have world. to bring up freaking Tom freaking Brady. No, you're right, Psycho T. He's, he's, the goat. S- he's up there smashing helmets with other guys. Like, come on. All Don't young you know the boys, brain
0: trauma? All the young guys acknowledge that. You know, he's the goat.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But Mahomes. It's the Mahomes era. We've entered it. It's we've entered it, yeah. I mean,
0: that you're right. And he basically pulled up Brady, you know. I mean, that Brady pretty much did the same thing yeah. last year. You the know, difference he was horrible between, until the fourth quarter and he finally made some plays. The
1: difference between Mahomes and Brady, which which could be turnout being scary. But the other thing is we all we also thought this with Rogers. Mahomes is a physically the most ta- one of the most talented quarterbacks we've ever seen, with his arm strength, his ability to move in the pocket, his vision, his overall athletic ability yeah. is far superior than Tom Brady's. And we okay. I mean, We're thinking about pure athleticism. Did you see Did you see Tom, you see Tom Brady at the like, did you see? I'm talking about like well, at the he became combine. a better athlete. I'm talking about the combine. Over time, but yes. Bigger, stronger, faster. Mm-hmm. Mahomes, just like we thought Aaron Rodgers, like the throws that they can make on the move. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. just impressive.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: So Mahomes has this potential to be great. I mean, he's already great. Yeah. But he has this potential to be legendary. He does. Because I also think he has those, quote-unquote, intangibles. We could probably do a whole podcast on intangibles. As a matter of fact, I think intangibles could be the name of this podcast.
0: Yeah. No, you're right. And in, in health always you know, plays a big role. Health, the team around him, the coaching staff, the organization, I mean, all of that. You know, the Patriots – Oh, you got to understand. It It wasn't just about Tom Brady. Yeah, there's no
1: way Tom Brady wins that many Super Bowls for any other franchise.
0: Yeah, I mean, top to bottom, you know, it was you know a storied franchise, and
1: it worked. um, Great team dynamics. Yeah, and yeah, they they a lot of runs, a lot of momentous runs. And and
0: unfortunately, though, uh, you know, I I think that Mahomes' legacy is going to kind kind of, in some ways, be influenced. Many ways, actually, be influenced by his coaching style. By his organization, by the players around him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's hard to get folks to Kansas City.
1: Football, there's a lot of parody. I don't think we'll ever see what the Patriots did again. How they essentially won multiple Super Bowls in multiple decades. Yeah. And the beauty, and that was two full decades worth of Super Mm -hmm. Bowls. Two full decades, yeah. Um, But that's the thing. It's almost like you can look at momentum through the course of a whole season or through the whole course of a career. Tom Brady comes in halfway through a season, leads his team to a Super Bowl victory. That's that initial success. That's the start of the momentum. Mm-hmm. You know, that's confidence boosting. That was huge for his ability to be confident. And then over the years, he probably developed the mindfulness yeah. skills, the gratefulness skills. And not just and the his own
0: confidence, but the confidence of those around him. You yeah, know, the, the players, whole
1: franchise.
0: The coaching staff, you know.
1: We did it. So we can do it again. Base. You see it with these guys that kind of that the merinos of the world, who just the pressure builds over time when you don't get it done, and you start to question yourself: Can I? Am I a champion? Can mm-hmm. I do this? Can I get it done? Yeah, that's why my hats off to John Elway. Oh yeah,
0: I always think yep. about John Elway, yep. man, because he had a lot of those types of yep. situations early in his career, and he could have easily just faded.
1: Yeah. He won back to back to end off his career. Yeah. It also makes me think, and you're going to get upset, Peyton Manning. He he was known as a choker.
0: Yeah, I agree. And he still no, got himself two put Super a, Bowls. I, put, I will put Peyton in that category, yeah. He, so can't, the, he overcame, you know, his demons.
1: So I, I think that's one thing we tend to overlook about these guys is if you win early and you have success early, you're set up. If you're someone like David Carr and you get drafted by the Houston Texans, you're done. Like, you're going to get sacked a thousand times your first year. If you're put in a bad spot, it's hard to recover. Um, current players, his brother, Derek Carr, maybe... Eh, I don't know if he necessarily has a skill set, but he hasn't been in the best situation in Oakland. John Gruden now is pretty damn good, so he better start doing something. Mm-hmm. Although I think he might get traded. Um, I don't know. But but,
0: you know, I like Peyton. I like the Peyton story because it, it is a a testament to the power of building resilience. Or, you know, the... He, Clearly early in his career happy um, feet
1: was not clutch Yeah, I
0: mean there it, and it was it was mental, you know, because we all know he, he had the amazing You know physical gifts. He can make all the throws and everything. So and he was bar- clearly a different guy He's very cerebral moments. too. Very so
1: cerebral. I don't know if I necessarily call it mental it maybe more emotional because the cognitive game and the preparation and His his, his mind for the game of football. Yeah, Ninety nine point well, nine percentile
0: i agree emotional in terms of the outcome but you know the the, the thoughts are the seed right
1: this is the seed of the but he emotions. also at the same time was with an indianapolis colts franchise you know didn't necessarily work. they built a high power offense early in his career and did not build a defense and we all know you have to have a top five defense or a top notch defense to win a Super Bowl. Brady was fortunate enough to be under Bill Belichick, who is a defensive guru, and he always had top five defenses. Every Super Bowl they had, he had but a top let's, five let's, defense. Let's
0: not do that. Let's let's not try to externalize. It was all about Brady, and no, it's and, definitely not all about and, Brady. And let me tell. You, here's what I mean by that. I mean the he, difference he between had the skill set. Yeah. The difference between Brady and Manning is this, for me, since we brought this up. Brady, he had a better holding environment. He had more mental resilience.
1: And but it, is that from within, or is that because he was put in a better environment? He had you know, a safer holding environment. I think England from. D- I think it's absolutely Patriots. from within. And here's why I say that. You, would you argue Peyton that he Manning was a, he came into the, a better situation than Peyton, Peyton Manning?
0: Manning had the had the pedigree, right? I mean, his father's an NFL player. Mm-hmm. He had all the physical tools. He was all great in gifts. college. Should have won and, the Heisman. You know, the, so the confidence had to be there because his father was, you know, was an NFL star and his brother was a you know, great player. I mean, he had he had it, you know, and he came to the league. He had a pretty good situation. He had Marvin, you know, Marvin Harrison, Edron James, you know, some talented players. They had Reggie Wayne. Then they got Reggie, you know, so he had he had it. I think when you when you look at it, but he
1: didn't win a Super Bowl until they got Bob Sanders, defense you you and MVP, said emotional Dwight Freeney, Robert Mathis. They had to build that defense.
0: I agree. I agree. Emotional was the problem because it became anxiety, right? We we saw the happy feet, so we we recognized there's probably some anxiety there. So it became emotional, but it started with the mental the mental processing, and and that's where you know there was clearly some fear, clearly you know mm-hmm. is well, and that, what yeah. happens is. A guy like Brady, he has that ability, that mental flexibility, right, to block out distractions, right, in those big moments. We've seen it time and time again. You
1: could argue he had less distractions than playing for the New England Patriots but how than do you Peyton say that? did. Because how do you there say, was, how do you I, say I think, that there was more pressure put on Peyton Manning's shoulders coming into a. They were the number one pick. They picked him with the number one pick. Brady was picked in a late round. He joined a team that was already a playoff contender. He was already with Bill Belichick that we know is a great coach. So he was had a but better they had team, not won. better franchise. He won. Exactly. So he I'm, not, I'm say, not arguing with would, you there. I'm just arguing with the, you the fact that the, he was in a better situation. He was. But I have Early your, in his career. If you want, I can give you your trump card that will prove that Peyton Manning was a choker even before he came to the nfl okay and let me know when you want me to give you that
0: what i was going to say early in his career i agree with you he was basically playing with house money you know you're a second year guy you're taking over for you know drew bledsoe it's like you know you have you know everything to win nothing really to lose later on in his career though he definitely had all the pressure in the world because he was considered the, the goat you know or he was considered kind of in that conversation. So at that time he's already I'd resilient. He'd already the last, won the last multiple two Super Bowls. Th- the last two or three Super Bowls, he had a lot of pressure on him. I mean, in you know, that Atlanta game, you know, there there were definitely moments where he showed probably the most high level mental resilience that
1: I've ever personally seen next he, to like Tiger Woods. Already Michael already won Jordan, those guys. That's because he had already won four or five Super Bowls. He already had money in the bay he already had that confidence to lean For back sure. upon and he, sure. yeah he did have that resilience but it's part of what he accomplished and what he accomplished you can't separate that from the new england patriots bill belichick no so the one thing that would help you win this argument would be peyton manning was zero and four in college against tennessee's biggest rival florida so even dating back to college before he got with the indianapolis organization He was known to not perform his best in the biggest games, on the biggest stage. So you might be onto something there. But you can't separate out Brady from the Patriots organization. But he was an unheralded guy, right? Brady was coming coming in from Michigan. All right, you want to wrap this bad boy up with, uh, you want to talk about playing to the level of the competition?
0: Yeah, let's do it.
1: So last topic here today, we'll talk about, it kind of flows with all this. We kind of got a little tangent there, but the last topic of the day is going to be what about those teams? You always hear this play to the level of their competition. Yeah. I think the Clippers, like this year, are doing that a little bit. Steel, yeah. Steelers. You see that. I feel like the Steelers have always done that. Yeah.
0: They're definitely teams that are, are in organizations, I should say, that are, are known for that. Yeah. The Clippers um,
1: will like beat the Lakers twice this year, but then they'll get blown out by the Timberwolves the next night. I feel like Agassiz was a guy that
0: often. Did that you know he he kind of he had some you know games he definitely should never have lost, and there's those certain certain tennis players i've i remember following that kind of had that type of identity and and that identity of course, is kind of like a perpendicular kind of identity to the identity of the underdog you know yeah. and, and that that type of person that rises. To the, to the occasion, against. Yeah.
1: So there's two different ways you can yeah. play, like you can play down if you're if you know you're better than this team and you can beat them without trying 100%. That'll filter into your brain and then you start getting distracted and the next thing you know, you're looking for the light switch to flip the switch. That's the term, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's difficult to do that. You have to kind of have resilience to be able to flip the switch. But you know if if you go into a game and you're going full tilt, that takes 100% of your focus and puts it on the task at hand. So you're automatically eliminating the distractions. Mm-hmm. So you're almost going to be more resilient when you know you have to give it your all to win the game. So that almost builds momentum when you're the underdog and you know it, you have to play up versus the opposite. If you're playing down, you can afford the opportunity. You think you can afford the opportunity to, to get distracted and not go 100% cuz if you're not going 100% that means you're not going to be in a flow state and you're going to be distracted. Yeah. And you can't flip that switch on sometimes. You can't flip the switch? <laughs> Some teams can. Golden State was good at that. Third quarter runs. Patriots. What do you think about them? They they don't play to the level of their competition unless it's the Miami Dolphins. Oh no. They, well, very rarely. They just yeah. go out and beat yeah, on the they, they, they just go out. And they just go out to beat people. They take care of business. They take care of business. That's what it is. Yeah, and those usually are the mature teams that go out there. Yeah, and take care of business. No,
0: in in teams that have a system, you know, that's that's what you see. Like the teams that have a system, like a a, a, a tried and true, battle tested system they believe in. They go out and execute. It goes on the road. Goes it's there. It's it wherever. It doesn't really matter what the venue is what time of day it is it's
1: like they you know just show up and execute it's like rope memory it's muscle memory for, yeah. the, for the whole organization yeah and You're i feel like the milwaukee
0: state. bucks have that going right now you know they just have a great system
1: even without giannis they're, mm-hmm. they're killing it although they did just lose the indiana pacers who snapped their six game losing streak I know you love that they're adjusting victor odipo is trying to figure out his new role on this team and he's still got that explosiveness so i'm excited i'm a I'm hoping big things for them after the All-Star break. But yeah, man, I feel like we could uh, talk for days about this topic because... Yeah,
0: well, and and I think we can tie this together a little bit um, by kind of integrating elements of our last episode. And in sort of what we've come to is this notion of how resilience can be built, right? It can be developed. And you know, how momentum plays a role in all this. And then in the end, when you've brought all these things together, what you can have is a system. So can I I I break it
1: down the quick, easy steps for the listeners real
0: quick? Coaching is one of these force multipliers that can help you as the the athlete develop a system.
1: Absolutely. And that system involves, this is what your coach would want you to do, involves practicing mindfulness, practicing gratitude, practicing your sport, building the confidence through these practices, and that creates resilience, that creates mental flexibility, and that gives you the opportunity to take advantage of momentum, to create momentum, and to also know that if another team gets hot, because that's going to happen. That you can step in there and be like, no, I'm switching this around. And then ultimately, you can be clutch. You can be the closer. You can take that last shot. You can hit that 45-yard field goal. You can win Super Bowl MVP. Simple as that. So give yourself a placebo. Positive filter. Be grateful. That's giving yourself a placebo, being grateful.
0: You can be a winner at the game of life. Yeah.
1: All right. We've had enough. Yep. Had Give
0: enough your, of y'all, man. I know you've had enough of us. <laughs> be grateful. Give yourself
1: a placebo. We love
0: you guys. We really do. This is fun. This is good.
1: Let's uh, um, shout out if you guys have any topics, ideas for topics you want us to discuss. Comment on our Instagram page. Tweet at us. DM us. Slide into those DMs. Come on, y'all. Uh, Let us know. And if any feedback at all, we appreciate it. Armin, let's end the stigma.
0: And let's continue the conversation.